aren't there already, uh, turn to John chapter 15. We're going to finish our look at John chapter 15 this morning. You remember last week, uh, we, we, we talked a little bit about um, that, that picture of Christ being the vine and we are the branches and the bearing fruit and the vine dresser, all of those things. We talked about a very specific area of that. We talked about how the vine dresser will lift up a vine that is growing along the dirt and he'll clean off the leaves and he'll tie it up to a trellis. He won't cast it off. And we talked about how as Christians, there's going to be times when we're walking in our life that we have sin in our life. And how sin is just like that dirt. And what does God do with us? What does God do with a Christian when that dirt that causes us to, you know, running because we're running along the, the very bottom of the ground is preventing us from bearing fruit. When we talked about whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He chastens every son he receives. And we talked about how, how he takes us and he lifts us up and he moves in our life so that we would, once again, bear fruit for him. Well, I want to speak to you and go a little bit farther with that in another one of the visuals from John 15. Um, I want to talk to you, I want to talk to those of you who are bearing fruit today for God. And it's talking about bearing fruit. We're talking about good works. We're about talking about our service, our ministry for God. Um, th this message is going to be very specific in nature to you. I want to talk to you about those who are bearing fruit, but you are struggling with your passion for God in the midst of that. Because if you have been active in your faith for any amount of time, you will know what we are talking about this morning, what I'm going to be talking about. You have gone through, or you're going through even today, periods where you are still serving Christ, you're still ministering, you're still working for him, you're doing these good works, but that joy and that passion that used to be there, you know, isn't matching that service that you're doing for the Lord. Often when you get to that, Christians describe themselves using words like empty, or our zeal is just not there, or we talk about our passion or our heart is struggling. And, and, and we have this increased desire, the constant desire to produce for God, you know, to serve God, but we seem to have a decreasing fulfillment in the things that we are doing for God. I mean, you can go out and a lot of times people just try to, well, I, I got to do more. But the more you seem to do, the less you seem to feel. And I think we can identify with um, the Ephesians Christians in Revelations chapter 2. Remember, Christ wrote them a very special letter. And Christ says to them, he says, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. You found them to be false, and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. So here's a church. I mean, they were involved and in, in active in their faith, active in their church, active with the Lord. But come down to verse 14. He says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. You're still doing all of those things, but, but that heart, it just isn't there anymore. So my question for us this morning is, have you been there? I mean, are you there maybe right now? Jesus knew that you would come to times like this. I mean, the longer and the more you grew in your walk with Christ. The first thing I want to tell you is don't be alarmed by this. There's nothing wrong with you 
if you see that passion and that heart and you're still serving and, and it's just not there right now, folks, that's part of the growing process. I mean, the key is don't stay there. But that's going to be all part of, of how God is going to be dealing with us. The question is, how does God the Father move in your life? What is the key to take us, you know, from that place that we are bearing fruit, bearing much fruit, you know, bearing abundant fruit, but that still that we have that closeness, that heart for God. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So I'm going to invite you, if you'll stand together with me, we're going to read the second half of the parable here. John chapter 15, we're going to begin down in verse 7. It says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do, oh, excuse me, I'm in John 16. All right. Like, wait a minute. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, what Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy might be made full. You may be seated. I want you to remember the, the imagery that Christ was talking about. If you go back to verse 5, uh, Christ says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. And we used a picture last week. We're going to go ahead and we're going to put that picture up here. Now, I want you to be impressed because I went to uh, a class on this to learn this technology this, when Christ says, I am the vine, that is what it's talking about. You know, that we would you know, look at it as the trunk. It, it is the strength of the plant. We are these branches here, and they all come off of this, this, this trunk. At the end of the branches is the fruit. Those are our good works. Those are the, the things that we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're also told in this parable that the vine dresser, the vine dresser is the one who who cares for the vineyard. He is God the Father. He is the one that takes care of this whole thing with with Christ and the branches and the fruit. And and his goal, like any farmer, is to bring it to the place of the greatest crop. Whatever it takes, he will do it. If it's more watering, more sunshine, if it's it's putting some chemicals in the ground, if it's pruning, if it's pulling weeds, whatever it is, the point is, is to have more fruit. So picture with me that with every trunk and, and every branch, Christ is that trunk, he is the vine, and we are the branches. If you can kind of picture with me, you know, Christ is here in the trunk. We are the branches that are coming off like this. There is a place where the trunk touches the branches. It's right here. That is the place that Christ is referring to when he says, abide in me. He's not talking about the fruit. He's not talking about out here. He's talking about that place where your life, where my life intersects with his. It says in verse 4, he refers to it a lot of times here. It says, abide in me and I in you. Verse 5, he who abides in me and I in him. Verse 7, if you abide in me, on and on. Over 10 times in these 11 verses, he uses that statement concerning abiding in him. So how important do you think this point is 
you know, right here. How important do you think that abiding is to our relationship and our faith and our walk with Christ? I mean, let me put the question another way. If, what would happen if the branch, which is us, just had an abundance of fruit off on the end and, and, and all that fruit and all of that weight? What would happen to that place of abiding if it had so much fruit, but that place of abiding, that place of connection wasn't strong? The branch, it would strain. The branch would probably break. Let me put it to you like this. There are two points I'm going to talk about here of interaction that we have with God. One of the point is our passion, and the other point is our productivity, our, you know, our, our competency, our, our ability. Um, when we get saved, when you become a child of God, your passion for Christ is off the charts. When you come to that first time and you realize what God has done for you, and that how he has forgiven your sin and how much he loves you and cares for you and the great sacrifice he, he gave on the cross that you might be a child of his, that you might be forgiven. Man, that passion, that understanding, that, that excitement of that, it's off the charts. But one of the things, when you first get saved, though your passion is there, your productivity isn't very high because you don't know much about your faith. You don't know any verses. You know, you, you don't understand theology. You don't understand, you know, about spiritual gifts and, you know, service and all of those things. And so over time, you know, in, in the very beginning of our faith, our passion drives us for Christ. But over time, as we get to learn more and more about God and the verses and all of those things in time, suddenly our productivity begins to grow. You know, we begin to produce fruit for God. It matches our passion. But the longer and longer that we are saved, you know, the more God prunes our lives to produce fruit, suddenly more fruit, you know, is born, and suddenly my productivity begins to eclipse my passion. And at that point, when my productivity, when my fruit that God is using me to produce in his kingdom, when that productivity eclipse my passion, that's when we start to feel empty. That's when you feel like, oh, I'm just going through the motions, you know, teaching my Sunday school class or going to this work project or, you know, I preach because, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. But, you know, we, we know that the word of God, that the power of, of God's word is, is, is the word, not me. And so, you know, it could still be functioning. It could still be producing fruit. But I could be feeling empty, you know, walking away, nothing. That can happen whether we're teaching children's school, you know, coming out on work projects, whatever it might be. So what is the answer? You say, well, I just got to stop producing fruit. That's not the answer. I mean, this whole parable is about God trying to produce in you first fruit, then more fruit, and then abundant fruit. I mean, he's pruning, he's working in our life that we can produce more fruit. So that can't be the answer. What's the key? Well, the key is that place of abiding. The key is the strengthening of that place so that we can bear the fruit that God is, is bringing and using in our life. See, our problem is the more competent we become in our faith, we forget that we don't live our faith out here in the fruit. We live our faith at the point that we interact 
that we intersect with our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, both of these are in equally important. Fruit's important, but this place of abiding. This place of abiding is the key. It says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you so that my, my joy may be in you and that your joy might be made full. This whole thing about abiding that he's emphasizing here over and over again, it's all about making our joy in Jesus Christ, bringing it, it's, it's to the place of being full. Our answer is not to lessen the fruit. Our answer is to raise our passion for God. So abiding, abiding is where you and I intersect with Christ. That's where we meet Christ. In abiding, it's not about that you will do more for him, but that you will choose to be more with him. You know, to abide means to remain. That's what it means. It means to stay. It means to dwell. Um, again, fruit isn't produced down here. The fruit isn't produced at the place of abiding. It, it, that's something that comes later. But the key is that place of abiding that we connect. And Jesus, I can't help but think, remember, you know, this is his kind of his last message before he's going to go to the cross, his last major message. So Jesus, here he is, he's looking at his disciples, you know, those who have given their lives to him. And he's looking at them and he's looking through them and he's looking at us as well, those of us who have, have given our lives to Jesus Christ. And he knows that being part of a, a the kingdom of God, being a Christian, we're going to be called, called to produce something that is supernatural, miraculous fruit, fruit for eternity, not just temporal fruit. We're called to, to bear fruit that is going to change lives, that's going to impact cultures. And Jesus knew that we, began, we can't begin to achieve that. We can't begin to have an eternal impact without the one thing that we're most likely to forget. And that's that we need more of him. It's not about doing more, that's fruit. But it's about connecting more. This whole issue of abiding, it's not quantity, but, but quality. Christ says over and over, I want you to abide in me. I want you to know the, the fullness of joy. I, want you to, I also want you to notice something here um, in this parable. Whose initiation is the pruning and the discipling? We talked about it last week. Who initiates the pruning? Who sees that the, you know, the, the vine, the branches, you know, that they need to be pruned or they need to be lifted out of the dirt and cleaned off and tied up? Who initiates that? The vine dresser, right? God the Father does that. The next question is, though, whose responsibility is it to that point of abiding? The answer is, it's God's responsibility and our responsibility over and over again. He says in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. Verse five, you know, he who abides in me and I in him. It's a two-way street. That's not unlike the pruning, you know, that comes in our life that God is initiate. God knows what we need, you know, to produce more fruit, whether it's blessings or trials, whatever it might be. That, that choice to abide, that choice to strengthen that place, we know that God wants it. We know that Christ wants it. But we as the branches, we need to desire it as well. Do we want to strengthen that place, 
that place of connectedness to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, let's talk first about barriers to abiding. What, what stops us from abiding? Um, again, follow with me. I hope I can express this correctly. But um, I, I want you to remember for just a second when you first got saved. I mean, can you remember that? Mine was, I mean, we're talking close to uh, 40 years ago when I got saved about 39 years ago. And I can still remember that wonder and awe. I mean, as I was at a youth retreat and we'd been there for a, uh, you know, a couple days and a couple evenings and we'd had messages and, 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 and God was just taking the layer upon layer off of my life. And I can still remember sitting in the service. And I can't, I can't tell you what was being preached, but I can remember that moment when God just tore it open for me. And I remember understanding myself as a sinner and, and I wasn't a bad kid by the, the culture standard, but I can understand. I remember that moment. I can still feel it. I can still feel the, uh, just the unbearable warmth and pressure that in my life that just took me to my knees and, and, and took me to confess myself a sinner and to embrace him as my savior. Can you, can you remember that when that happened in your life? You know, and, and, and it's so easy at that moment and that time to receive the love of Christ because, you know, really, we don't know that much yet. But just that wonder, that it was enough that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. One of the problems, I think, to us as we grow, one of the barriers to our, that connection that was so close when we got saved, um, is, is our sin and how we think God views us and our sin. Now, let me ask a question. I ask, I ask this often. Um, I don't want you to answer, just think about this. But, you know, when, when Christ died on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? Okay, when Christ was hanging on the cross, how many of your sins were in the future? Well, you say all of them were. You know, this was some 2,000 years ago. So everything, God, God knew, and, and, and he gave his life, and he still died for you. Well, I am convinced that the part of our problem with abiding is as we grow in our faith, we now we understand how sinful we are. We understand how broken we are. We understand the price that it caused you. And even my continued sin, it, 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 it lays upon him. And though we, we understand that God loves us, I think a lot of us don't think that God likes us very much because of our life, because of our sin. I mean, how can God really like me if he, I mean, God's omniscient. He knows everything. You know, we, we know he knows all of my thoughts, my hearts, my motive, my actions, all of those things. And we know what we're really like. And a lot of times, we don't even like ourselves. And how can God like us? I mean, we, we accept God's love when we get saved. But that was easier because we didn't know any better. You know, it just, you know, being forgiven from our sin. But as a Christian... I often feel that God is disappointed with me as a Christian, that he's disappointed with my sin. And, and yes, I can tell you theologically that Jesus loves me. He still loves me. But I don't think he likes me. So let me ask you another question here. Let me change it just a little bit. I asked you earlier how many of your sins were in the future when Jesus loved you to die for you. Let me change it a little bit. How many of your sins that you've committed as a Christian were in the future when Christ died for you? 
It's the same answer. All of them. Every single thing. Everything that even as a child of God, every time that I've, I've turned to him, every time that I've forsaken him, the sins of, that I've committed, the sins that I've omitted, that I should have done, I knew what to do right and I didn't do it, all of those things were in full view of Jesus Christ, and he went to the cross to die for you. Is there any question that not only does he love you, but he likes you? I mean, he might be moving to change things in your life, but it's not like, you know, oh, if I'd have known that's what you were going to be like as a Christian, I wouldn't have called you to myself, or I wouldn't have died for you. No, everything was in full view. And that's how much, how much the, the vine, that Jesus Christ wants to connect with us. That's how much he wants to draw us into himself. And I think one of our barriers is, is, you know, we look at our life and we think that God sees us like sometimes we see ourselves and that we might be disappointed in our faith. Another bar barrier to abiding is the misconception that abiding is about feeling good. You know, this, this place of connection that's all about emotions. You know, communion with God, we know communion with God is a relationship. It's not a sensation. I mean, my relationship with Martha, my wife, it is a constant. But I need to tell you, my feelings for her are different throughout the day. It might be different when we're out for dinner and we're out on a date or we're going out for a walk. My feelings at that moment uh, might be different than when we're trying to work out some problem, some difficulty that we're having. The feeling is different, but my abiding is constant. We never stop being a couple. The two never stop being one. You know, and the feelings are going to go up and down. My feelings in Christ are going to go up and down constantly. But that abiding is constant. And, and, and we don't just abide with each other when we feel, with, with Christ when we feel good. Our relationship with Christ is supposed to be lived out on so many different planes of emotion. Yes, when we're here during a worship service and, you know, we're praising God and our hearts are overflowing. But yes, later in the week when we're struggling or, or we feel we're feeling you know, down or depressed or whatever it might be or we're going through a hard time or we have some great blessing in our life, all of these areas of emotion are places that God still wants to abide us with. So abiding isn't about you know, getting all pumped up on Sunday morning. That's not just what it's about. Another barrier to abiding is the misconception uh, that I can abide with Christ and not be obedient to Christ. I think verse 10 made that very clear that if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So the opposite is if you're not keeping my commandments, you're not abiding in my love. You're not resting in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and, and I abide in his love. In other words, I cannot be doing my own thing, living my own life, you know, serving myself and say, you know, well, I'm, I'm abiding in Christ. That, that's not abiding. We need to be connected. There needs to be an obedience that is part of abiding. So anyway, so those are the things that kind of are barriers. Let's talk, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about how do we abide? How do I strengthen that, that point? Well, I want to give you two truths um, that will help to strengthen that point. Um, number one, abiding is about deepening the quality of my devoted time with God. Okay. I want to I emphasize that, and I pick my words very carefully there. Abiding is about deepening the quality of my devoted time with God. Notice I didn't say my devotional time with God. We've been talking for the past months, we've been talking about having how to deepen our devotional time with God. That's not what I'm talking about. 
our devotions that we have in the day, you know, that's an act. That's a moment in time. Um, devoted is about quality of what we do. You know, we're talking about setting apart a kind of time that will build your relationship with Christ. Because I want to tell you, you can go, only go so far in your relationship with God having 15 minutes a day of devotions where you pick up God's word, you read his word, you pray through the needs of your day, maybe you pray for some prayer requests that are placed on your heart, and then you move on. And, and again, I am not knocking that. That is, that is essential in our faith. But if that is all you keep the level at, then that's all the farther you're ever going to go in, in that place of abiding in Jesus Christ. You're not going to go any farther. You see, abiding isn't about, you know, what you can see on the surface. It's not about surface. It's uh, the bark. It's about what's going on underneath the bark. It's about the quality of what's being passed from the vine to the branches there, and there, then out to the fruit. That's the place. It's, it's, it's a depth of relationship that we're talking here. And, it, and again, it's two-way. You know, Christ says, I am, you know, abide in me and, and I abide in you. And, and I think if we're honest, some of us could say that we've had the same relationship with God that we might have, you know, going through a, a drive through restaurant, you know, stopping at McDonald's. You know, our inner, our place of connection with God is, you know, kind of like we pull up, we give our order, we pay our dues, and then we drive away. You know, God, I'll have two blessings, you know, an answer to prayer and abundant joy. And can you supersize that? You know, and I mean, that's kind of how we interact. That's what, all with God. And then we're off to our day. You know, we, when we abide a little with Christ, a little happens at that point. Greater abiding is about depth. And so I want to encourage you. You know, if you're at that place that you see, you know, your fruit... Your productivity is, is outpacing your passion for God. I want to encourage you, set apart the kind of time that will build a relationship. You know, that's what we're talking about, building this connection, this point of relationship. You know, um, savor God's word to you. I mean, don't just read it. And I know, I mean, I, I do much better when I'm on a schedule trying to read through the Bible in a year or the New Testament and, or whatever it might be. And, but but you've got to get to the place where, we're picking up the Bible as a joy and just, you know, got something, got some time. I just want to spend some time with God. You need to savor that time. I, I love that song, you know, word of God speak. Let it flow down like rain. Can you just picture standing there, you know, washing my eyes to see your majesty. You know, I, I want to go to God's word and just let it flow down. You know, cleanse me. Open up my eyes for me to see things. Not that, you know, that I'm coming here to see or I'm coming to find, but just... Just putting myself in God's hands. You've got to give yourself some quality time to be able to do that. You need to talk with God. You need to be listening. Remember, he says, abide in me and I in you. This is a two-way street. And do whatever it takes. You know, you know what it will take in your life. If you need to write and journal, do it. If you need to go for a long walk, do it. I have gone to spending some time um, purposefully just taking everything, you know, and, and talking through it with God. And, and this might be why I'm driving. This might be by, while I'm walking. But I'm not talking about just immediate things that are going on in my life or in the next day or week. But I'm talking about long-term type of things. And even spending that time talking to God about a, a dryness I might be in.
or some help that I need or some struggles that I have? Are you spending that kind of quality of time opening yourself up to God? You know, decide to seek the Lord until you find him. And don't quit until you're there with him. The second truth I want to give you. Um, I need to broaden my devoted time by taking it from a moment in a day, which we would call our devotionals, you know, to having it as an all-day attentiveness. I mean, don't leave God in your study or by your favorite chair and then go on with your life. The idea is that getting to the place that we take God with us, take Christ with us, make, you know, every moment an opportunity to meet God with your day. You know, as you drive to work, you know, and ask him, invite him in to come into your day, whatever you got going on. You know, if you're having a rough time at work, stop, talk to God about it. And your kid's driving you crazy, you know, thank God for each one of them. You know, you got a blessing, allow God to into the celebration of that blessing that you have. You see, it's, it's not so much about time, but it's about attentiveness. And in my life, in my day as a Christian, that my focus is on the Lord. Not this moment my focus is on the Lord. Not Sunday morning my focus is on the Lord. But I am attentive to God. You know, that, that place where I abide with him. I'm attentive throughout my day. And everything that takes place. And there's a great reason that Christ wants us to do this. There's, there's, there's tremendous spiritual benefits to abide in him. Let me, just real quickly, let me give you three and we'll be done here. Number one, abiding helps us to tap into all of God's spiritual riches. Folks, is this illustration of the vine and the branches and the fruit? The place of abiding is the only place where the vine can transfer strength to the branches. There's no other way that it happens. It doesn't jump. It doesn't circumvent. There isn't a detour. There's only one way, and that's the place of abiding. And at that place that we find that fullness, that joy to be made full, it can only happen at that place. Secondly, though, abiding gives us the strength and the rest we need to bear much fruit. You know, if you see God really, really working in your life, if you see fruit, whether it's in your Sunday school class or um, whatever ministry or service that you are involved in, and, and, you know, in the church, outside the church, whatever it might be, to bear that fruit... You know, you want to strengthen that place of abiding. You know, so, so you don't get to the place where your productivity out, out distances your passion. Number three, abiding carries with it a promise of answered prayer. I, I started in verse seven purposefully um, it, because we need to understand the whole context of what it's saying here. But it says, if you abide in me, in other words, if you're abiding in me, in other, that energy and strength, we're going back and forth, we're working together. If you abide in me, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, obviously, in the context, it's not saying, here's this great wish list of you, but you are going to be so close to Christ, so close to him and to his will and to what he is doing, that you're going to know what to ask. And you ask anything in his will, and, and, and he'll do it. You know, it, it comes out of that place of abiding. It, it's so important to us. So today, do you feel burned out? The fulfillment that you once had, is that, is that waning today? The answer isn't to give more energy to the branch and less to the fruit. 
I get so frustrated when I talk to Christians and, you know, we might see that they're falling back and not as active and everything else. And, and I talk to them and they said, well, I just want to step out of service for a time so I have more time for me. You know, I, I can honestly tell you I have never heard anyone say that I feel, I feel so much more fulfilled in my relationship with Christ since I've spent less time focusing on him and more time focusing on me. You know, so much more has been done for his kingdom when I focus on me. No, it never happens. It's time for us to focus on the point and the place in our life where Christ wants to meet us. That he wants to touch our life. These things I have spoken, I'm telling you these things so that my joy may be made in you, be in you, and that your joy may be made full. You know, we need to make some commitments right here, right now. To, to maybe change some of our patterns, that we can strengthen that place of abiding. I'm going to ask the worship team, they're going to come up and they're going to lead us in, in a, a song in closing. But I want you, in, in this song that we're going to be singing and we're going to be praying in just a moment here, I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Block my voice out if you can. And open yourself up to what God is saying to you. I'm just a conduit here. What is the Holy Spirit asking you? What does he want you to do? What's that next step? What's that change of direction that you need to make in your life for him? And then when you say yes, it's one thing to identify what it is. I know what it is. I know what God wants of me. But are you willing? Do you trust God enough to say yes? And Father, we're going to ask to just continue to work in our hearts here. In the quiet places, Father, that I cannot touch, that the music cannot touch, Lord, you work your word, you work your truth. Your Holy Spirit right now, for every Christian here, is, is taking these words and, and, and trying to communicate something to us. And Father, I, I open up my life to you that I might be able to hear that word, that voice that you are giving to me. Thank you, Father. And... Uh, Lord, I know Satan is going to attack whatever decisions are made here today. But God, we, we at least want to start with, at least with making a decision. And then we'll, then we'll protect it. We'll ask you to guard it. But right now, I just want to start with taking my faith seriously. That privilege, that call that I have in my life to be all that I can for Jesus Christ. Just continue to work this truth in our hearts.